Okay. Good morning. This is Pastor Bob of Redwood Christian Fellowship, and uh, I've got the Sunday morning uh, study uh, teaching here this morning, and we'll be coming from the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, we'll be looking uh, at the uh, first few verses of chapter 12. And so obviously getting near the end of this, we have one more message uh, next Sunday from finishing up the chapter 12, and then we'll be moving on Easter Sunday, uh, uh, a different message, and then going into the book of Ruth. So uh, if you want to read ahead, feel free to do so. The book of Ruth is is where we're going to be heading next. Um, as we get started, uh, I do have a few uh, announcements that I'd like to share with you. Um, just stay in touch with the website and or Facebook uh, to uh, find out when we'll be meeting again. Uh, we don't have a firm date at this point as to our next uh, our startup uh, to where we'll gather together here at church. So uh, just uh, keep listening for that or watching for that on our website and on Facebook. Uh, Somebody was concerned about, you know, offerings, and we want to let you know that uh, uh, if you would, if you have an offering or a, a, that you would like to to give to the church, if you would mail it to RCF 866 13th Street, Fortuna, California 95540. That's uh, Brad and Lisa Gill's home. They'll get it and uh, and be able to do all of the things that they normally do with uh, uh, recording the offerings and this type of thing. So that's 866 13th Street, Fortuna. Um, that's it in the way of announcements. In prayer needs, uh, we have uh, Diane Van, uh, her uh, care provider, Cindy. Uh, Cindy's been at church a few times here, so you might have met her. Uh, has been exposed to another uh, through one of her other clients, uh, someone who has tested positive for the the COVID-19 and so uh, uh, virus. And so we want to uh, keep her in prayer and and Cindy and and also Diane and certainly this uh, other person as well. Uh, Dennis and Doris Miller. Uh, as this broke out, we're in the middle of a cruise and are stuck on a cruise ship. And so uh, we want to keep them in prayer and that ship and the people in prayer there. Um, the COVID uh, virus, as we look at it, uh, just that the Lord would break the cycle. And also, I think, uh, just a special prayer that the Lord would protect the nurses and the doctors and first responders, supply them with the things they need to protect them. And Kay Morris uh, needs to... Uh, have access to a uh, a neurologist, and she's looking in Reading and has asked for prayer there. And then the Harwood family wants to thank uh, people for all their prayers for Eldon. Uh, the service was this last Monday uh, at the graveside with the family, and it went very well. There will be a service coming up uh, when all of this uh, virus stuff is over where we can gather together and have a a memorial service, a celebration service for Eldon uh, with the whole family. So uh, those are the things I wanted to make sure that you had announcements on. And uh, let's have a word of prayer. 
and uh, get started on the message. Father, we come this morning. We ask, Lord, uh, with the needs that we have just mentioned, with Diane, that you would protect her and keep her from uh, getting uh, this uh, virus, and, and, and with Cindy as well, her caregiver. We pray for the person that has been tested positive and ask, Lord, for your intervention there and protection and keeping that person from uh, going into a, a, an actual case of this uh, COVID virus. And uh, we pray for Dennis and Doris, that you be with them as they're on this cruise ship, that you'll protect them and all the other people on the ship, uh, and uh, that this virus not be an, uh, an issue there. Uh, for Kay Morris, as she is looking for a doctor over in Reading, we just ask that you would give her wisdom and favor in this search, that she would find someone that could minister to her physical needs and that it would be something that would happen quickly. And, and again, with the midst of all this virus stuff, uh, I know that that will complicate things, but we ask that you would uh, open the door for her. And then very specifically, we ask, Lord, you would break the cycle of this virus, this COVID-19 virus, that you would break the cycle. And also, as we see in the news, uh, the need for uh, supplies for the nurses and doctors and first responders. We ask that you would provide for them and protect them, Lord. And Father, as we open your word this morning, we ask, Lord, that you would open our hearts through your Holy Spirit, prepare us to receive from it, and ask, Lord, that you would minister to us. Uh, and, and each of us is coming with different needs and different stresses, different concerns, but we know, Lord, that your word is capable of ministering to all of us and our different places of need. And we ask for that through your hope that you would do that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, we're in Ecclesiastes. Uh, we'll be looking at the 12th chapter, but I've got a few little thoughts to, uh, to go over first. Uh, it, we've been actually over the last few months in Ecclesiastes joining Solomon in his quest to know and to understand really the meaning of life, the purpose of life. That's what uh, the, the idea is, is behind this book. And in his quest, he looked at all the worldly pleasures and different things that man seeks, uh, using a phrase that comes out of, the, out of this book, under the sun, meaning on the earth, under the sun, uh, to find purpose and happiness in their lives. Uh, in fact, this phrase under the sun is pretty much one of the key phrases to understanding uh, this series and the, and the verses here as uh, we go through it. Because uh, Solomon's looking is, is, is when we, we see this, he uses the phrase to show that it is uh, something that is in reference to the world. Well, let me show you what I mean. Look at the, the first few verses of chapter 1 as a review. The words of the preacher. By the way, the preacher is the uh, King Solomon. Uh, and you can tell by the next description of it. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun, or on the earth, all the different things that he does, uh, you know, to to uh, gain uh, resources and, and and livelihood and and to seek his way through this lifetime. 
Uh, and he goes on and says, A generation goes, a generation comes, but the earth re- remains forever. The sun rises, the sun goes down. Uh, drop further, the wind blows uh, to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on the circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. Uh, drop down to verse 8. It says, All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the uh, ear filled with hearing. Uh, what has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. In other words, what, what Solomon is looking at here is as he goes through this life, everything is just you know a repetitive cycles, uh, the same... You know, repeat after the, uh, one thing after another, and and this picture that there's nothing new under the sun, and then he he goes back to this phrase that he used in 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 uh, uh, the beginning of this verse too, vanity of vanities. Uh, everything is this word vanity is like the idea of a of a, of a vapor or a, uh, smoke going up, trying to grab a hold of it in order to get something for life, and it's everything is just you grasp it and it's gone. And so, that's this picture of vanity of vanities. Nothing is, is, stays. Everything repeats itself. And then what happens is, is what is the issue with, with Solomon's teaching here. And, and we see it in, in, through chapter, chap, from chapter 2 to chapter 9, is that the ultimate thing is that man dies. And we would say, basically, man is born, he goes through life repeating things over and over and over again, and then he dies. What's the purpose? What's the meaning? And so, as Solomon searches, he searches in different ways. He's looking at different things. In chapter 2, he said, uh, and he gave us a description. He says, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. Uh, but, but behold, this was also vanity. Uh, he, he tried and, and tested with the idea of, of wine and, and party, if you will. Uh, and great works, building houses, planting vineyards, uh, great gardens, uh, great irrigation systems for the forest to keep the trees healthy. Uh, he bought, he bought slaves. He had wives. He had concubines. He had great herds and flocks. And he gathered silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. Uh, he had singers and, and that would sing for him through the day and in his court and at his meals. But, uh, and, and all of these things that he acquired... He says, I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Uh, verse 10 of chapter 2 says, And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, again this phrase, all was vanity and a striving after wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. If that were the ultimate course, we would look at ourselves and say, 
what a, a, a sad people we are. What a miserable life to, to have ahead of us, to just know that we get some, even if we get everything we want, we end up in a sense of, of, of not happy, not complete, missing something in our lives. So, the final conclusion that he comes to is that death comes to us all. Whether we're good or whether we're bad, whether we're righteous or whether we're unrighteous, we all end up coming to the same end. And when the end comes, he says, in, uh, well, let's look at chapter 12 and, and just go there. Chapter 12, uh, the first uh, eight verses. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil day comes and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them, referring to old age. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut, when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low, they are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. Again, that phrase. When the end comes, what he's saying here is dust returns to the earth the Spirit returns to the Lord and He concludes this, this section, Vanity of Vanities. And it takes us back to the beginning. And in a sense, it takes us back and says, okay, recycle. Here we go again. And so it almost as if it validates what He has been saying. But there is something in the midst of this chapter 12 that has not been here before. Something new in the sense of uh, advice here. Uh, He's saying basically before the evil days come, before everything goes dark, before the dust returns to the earth, listen to this. Verse 1, chapter 12. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. Now, a youth here is thinking of a young adult. Not necessarily, you know, a lot of times we think uh, youth is uh, middle school, maybe high school. Uh, here it would be the idea of, of that age of, of, of 18 in that, or older uh, group, a young adult. And, and he says, what happens if your quest for purpose and meaning starts here? Remember your Creator in your youth. As you're searching for the meaning of life and the purpose of life, what if this is the place you start? Remember your Creator. Most of your Bibles are going to have C capitalized. 
there in Creator. And that's to draw our attention to the fact that we're speaking about the Creator, God, the sovereign God of all creation. What do we know about the Creator? Well, we could drop backwards in the Scripture and go to the, the very beginning in Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Verse 6 says, And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. Let it separate the waters from, from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters. And another part of it, again, verse 9 says, God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place. And in verse 11, God said, in verse 14, God said, and we keep going through in verse 20, God said, uh, 24, God said, God the Creator, by His Word, spoke into existence the world that we know. And then in verse 26 it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have domain over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Man was created to be the image bearer of God on earth. God blessed them. God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over everything that moves on earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God said, every, <clears throat> saw everything that He had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning. The sixth day. Again, remember your Creator in the days of your youth. As, as a young man or a young woman... Think of God your Creator. Where would the Hebrew person go to understand who God was? Where we just went. And as a result, they would see God, the Creator of all things. The Creator of heavens and earth. What Solomon is suggesting is this should be the, the, the foundation of how we look at the world. We start with God, the Creator, and recognize who He is. The sovereign God over all things. Kind of coincides with Solomon's writings when we look at Proverbs, like Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, where he says, the, the, uh, the, 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 the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. 
understanding who God is. We understand as we go into Scripture that our relationship with this God, we're created in His image, we were created to have a relationship with Him, and we go through chapter 2 and chapter 3, and we see the reality that we have the fall of man and the separation of man from God. And we are cast out of the garden. And yet, God the Creator of all things continues to seek after man and have a relationship with him. He doesn't just abandon man. And all through the Old Testament, there's this, this picture that keeps pointing towards the fact that God is going to do something fantastic, amazing, to restore man into a relationship with Him. Even in, in, in Genesis, it says that there's going to be a point where the woman is going, the seed of the woman is going to uh, be something special. Someone special coming from the seed of woman. Referring to ultimately Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So I come back to my thought, what happens if your quest for, and, and for purpose and meaning starts here? The God of all creation. Remember your Creator. Today, not only do we have the Old Testament to draw from, but we also have the New Testament. And the most appropriate place that I can think of to start looking at this from the picture of, of, of understanding God the Creator would be to start in the first chapter of the Gospel of John. Just as we have in Genesis, we have the phrase, in the beginning. And here we have, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. In the beginning is the Word and everything is made, it says, by this Word, through this Word. Nothing that exists, that exists without having come through Him or by Him. Therefore, we are speaking of the Creator. And yet, there's a unique picture here as we're understanding the fullness of this. The Word, it says, was with God. The Word was in the beginning with God. He was God. And then we have the picture when we get to verse 14. The Word becomes flesh. Who are we speaking of? We're speaking of Jesus Christ. We're recognizing that God is God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, 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 and here we see Christ, the representation of God. It says in verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. So when we think of, of God the Creator, we must in, include our, a fuller understanding as believers in Christ. Jesus Christ is being spoken of here. 
And it says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Not only that, verse 18 of John chapter 1 says, No one has ever seen God, referring to the Father, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known, referring to the Word. So Jesus Christ has has come in the flesh to, to dwell amongst us with the intent to reveal the Father to us. He is to reveal to us the Creator which is including himself. In fact, it gets even more amazing when you look at the book of Colossians. In Colossians chapter 1, uh, verse 15, it says, He, referring to Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And by him, <clears throat> for by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and, and, and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, referring to the resurrection. That in everything He might be preeminent. In other words, be in first place in all things, above all things. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. What a powerful picture we have here as we start to say, remembering your Creator is to see Him as He is the Word of God that John is speaking of. He is this preeminent Savior, God, Creator that the Colossians is speaking of. Jesus tells us the purpose and the meaning found in the, the, the great commandment. When, we, when he's asked what is the greatest commandment, he says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Uh, this picture is, is, is that if we start with God, we have purpose. If we start with God, we have meaning. The context of vanity, all things are vanity, begins to fade. As we become aware of what God is and what He has done. If we look at just the world and we just occupy ourselves with the world and we go through the things of the world and never include God, indeed it is just a sense of vanity. Vapor. Meaningless. There's no purpose. Man is born, he lives, and he dies. But when we look at things in the context of remember the, the Creator, Think of the Creator. Know the Creator. Then we begin to realize, who is this God? He is the one that put all things into existence. And He has done something else. Because of the fall of man, we were separated with God. Uh, we could no longer be uh, in, in a personal relationship with Him. And God says, I've got a plan that I'm going to put into effect. I will become flesh. I will come to the earth. And I will redeem you. That's the word that's used here in Colossians. It says uh, that for him in the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile, to redeem, to put at peace uh, to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. You were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled in His body of flesh 
by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, God the Father. As we start to remember our Creator, to dwell on Him, to think about Him, we realize how awesome it is to know who He is. Do you know in the Hebrew culture, to, to dwell on, on, on the Creator was something that was uh, established as part of their uh, training and bringing up their children at a very early age. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, In fact, this would be a reflection when, when Jesus was asked what is the greatest commandment. He says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The Hebrews who knew the Word of God would come right back to this chapter of, of Deuteronomy. Let me read to you Deuteronomy 6, the first few verses. Um, well, will actually start with four, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Now listen carefully. It says, And you shall teach them diligently to your children. And they shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and you shall be as front." Uh, frontlets between your eyes. In other words, the Scripture wrapped up in headbands and put on your head. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The idea was that you would see everywhere the Word of God that would draw you into God. And so the youth would be drawn into to remember God the Creator. It was a part of the culture. It should be a part of our culture. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, from a child to young adult. That's where youth again covers. That, and, and we are to teach it to our children. Here at church, it's an amazing thing when we're all gathered together and, and we call time for children's church and half the congregation walks out because we are being obedient to the Word of God, uh, wanting them to know the God Creator through their Word and, and being taught at their level, if you will, the things that will stay with them for a lifetime. The best way to know your Creator, to be able to remember your Creator, is to know His Word. And not just the Word in the sense of Christ the way it's presented by John, but in the sense of the written Word. He has revealed to us who He is and what He wants us to know of Himself, and, and how we can know Him better through His written Word. We are told that it is God-breathed. In Scripture it says, God-breathed. It's His Word. And as, a as, as, as an understanding of that then, how important it is. David would write in Psalm 1, uh, again a picture to him, how important the Word of God is. Let me share with you uh, Psalm 1, just the first few verses. Listen carefully. Blessed is the man. Happy, joyous is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, 
nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Now, what he's saying is, blessed is the man who doesn't take his counsel from the world. Uh, he doesn't take from the, the, the world that's under the sun. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners. He doesn't take his counsel from the wicked. Uh, uh, he doesn't sit with the scoffers. By the way, there's a chain reaction there in the sense of how it works. If you ignore God's word and you take your counsel from the wicked, you will end up standing in the way of sinners and ultimately sitting with those who scoff and mock God. But instead, a person who is is knowing God, uh, remembering God as the creator, has been instructed as Deuteronomy talks about. Uh, instead, his delight, that person's delight, is in the law of the Lord. And in this law, he meditates Day and night. Lord, I want to be this person. He said this person, he is like a tree that's been planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and in all that he does he prospers. And what this is telling us is that a person who is seeking to know God, the Creator, uh, and, and is meditating on His Word and making it a part of his life day and night, it's not something that's casual with him. It's not something that's, that happens once in a while, but he is seeking after God in His Word day and night. He meditates, dwells on. He becomes like a tree planted and the idea planted here by, its, uh, by streams of water, the streams of water are, are canals that are built by, by, with the intent to feed water to the tree. And so what we have here, a picture in my mind, is God's garden. He is, he's got it set up in such a way that we will be nourished by His water, by His Word, uh, seeking the water of God, uh, and the streams of water from Him. And as a result, we will yield its fruit. Our meaningful, the purpose of our life will be made clear to us. We will yield the fruit in its season. Things we won't wither and what we do will prosper. We will have meaning to our life. We will have results of, 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 of knowing the meaning of our life and, and seeking after God. Things will prosper according to God's perfect plan. So chapter... Uh, one of Psalms or, or, or Psalm 1 gives us this picture of, of how important it is to know the Word of God. If you were to read Psalm 119, we are told that uh, how important the Word of God is there. Look at it. In fact, let's look at a couple of verses there. Psalm 119, uh, verses 9 through 16. How can a young man keep his way pure? This idea of a young man would be the word youth. How can a youth keep his way pure? Uh, by guarding it through uh, according to your word. In other words, the picture of wanting to know the Creator. Coming to His Word to know Him. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes, uh, the, the things of your word. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight 
as much as in all riches. In other words, you could give, have all the silver and all the gold and not know the Word of God and be bankrupt in a sense. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And, and, and over and over in Psalm 119, the, the awesomeness of who God is and revealed through His word is, is given to us. And then in just one more picture of it in, in, in verse 105 of Psalm 119, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's what guides me. It's what directs me. It's what gives me purpose and meaning. And as a result, I'm like a tree planted by a stream, yielding the fruit in its season and doing the things that God wants to accomplish through me. Again, I thank Lord, let me be that tree. I share these things with you specifically because I, 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 they're the things that give me confidence in my walk with the Lord. That build my faith. God is with us. He is here. As we're looking around in the world and what's going on with this COVID-19 virus that is so destructive, the reality is in the midst of all of this, we can rest with assurance that our God is here with us, seeing us through this. And somebody will say, well, well, why then this virus? Well, let me tell you, the virus is the result of the fall. It's the result of sin. But God will see His people through. Even if we were to contract it, we can rest with confidence that God will see us through to eternity. And we still have an eternal relationship with Him. God is with us. God, the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word came and dwelt among us, verse 14 and first of John chapter 1, and then John chapter 1, verse 18, revealing to us who the Father is. One more time, I would like to go back to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Again, reading these scriptures starting with verse 15. He, referring to Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. In other words, He is what we see to know God. Going back to John, first, uh, John chapter 1, verse 18. He's revealing God to us. He is the firstborn of all creation. People think firstborn. Does that mean He's created? No, firstborn is a term of position, of inheritance, of importance. He is the one, the firstborn, who will inherit all things. He is in authority over all things. For by Him, it says, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. So when we talk about creation in chapter 1 of Genesis, we're talking about God the Father, Jesus the Son, uh, uh, God the, the, the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And, and you notice when it is talking about it, 
It says, let us create man in our image. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Again, in a position of authority, the first to resurrect from the dead. That in everything He might be preeminent, have full authority, be first in all things. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. The idea of peace here is that because of sin, we can't be at peace with God. But through Jesus Christ who bore our sins on the cross, we and, and we receive Christ as our Savior, confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that God raised Him from the dead. In that relationship now, as a believer, a child of God, we are heirs with Jesus. We are at peace with God through the cross. Verse 21, And you were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He is now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. This is the position that we have to remember God, the Creator, to know God, the Creator, in our youth is is the idea that it's what better place to have your foundation. And if it's not something that you got in your youth, Maybe you're like me, you didn't get it until you're, uh, you're an adult and married. Uh, it, God, still as He enters in, takes us back, if you will, and reestablishes all the things so that we begin, if we will do and be faithful to studying His Word, meditating on it and, and dwelling on it and thinking about it and, and reading it, we will become, as we become His children and understanding His Word, we will become knowledgeable and, and this idea of knowing our God, the Creator, will become a reality for us. But what an awesome thing if, we, if it starts at your youth. And again, we look at our church. I, I'm thinking of, of some things that, that we're running into now. We need uh, to expand our teaching for our youth here in church. And to continue with the older groups as they get older, we need more teachers, more classrooms, uh, more activity for our, our children. Because we want them to be knowing the God of all creation as their Savior and their Lord. And have that as their foundation from the beginning. To live in confidence that the God of all creation loves us. I was thinking again as we look at the, the, this global situation that we're running through with the COVID-10 virus and, 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 and realizing how terrible it, it, it is in the sense of what it's doing and the lives that it's taking. The fact that we're sheltered in place, uh, the inconveniences of it even, uh, is the reality that 
in life, there will be storms. And it made me think of Jesus and the storm on the Sea of Galilee as they were crossing the sea with, he was crossing the sea with the disciples. And this great storm, Matthew uh, or Mark chapter 4 talks about it, this great storm comes up and the boat is tossing and turning and, and it's beginning to fill up with water. Jesus is at the, the back of the boat, his head on a pillow, and, and he's asleep. And the disciples wake him up. And they wake him up because they are afraid. It's, a, it's, it's such an amazing story because of the end result of it. Let me share it with you. It's in Mark chapter 4. Towards the end, Mark chapter 4, we have the parable of the mustard seed and then Jesus calms the storm. Verse 35, chapter 4, Mark. On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him, they, me and the disciples, took him uh, with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with them. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And Jesus awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. I've got to stop there. Just looking at that. If you've ever been out uh, on, on, on the open sea and... and you realize it, it, that you're in these great swells and there's this great wind. And if it's a rainstorm on top of that, it's a, it's a, it could be a very fearful place to be. But then all of a sudden the wind breaks and it starts to, to calm down. And the next thing you know, the wind is gone. But guess what? The sea is still rough. It doesn't calm down immediately. It's still reacting to what the storm has done and agitating and, and, and pushing it. And so, what we see here is an amazing picture. He rebuked the wind and the wind stops. And then he said to the sea, peace, be still. The wind ceases and there is a great calm. It was immediate. Now, you've got to remember, these men that were with Jesus, some of them fishermen on the sea, they were used to the wind breaking and, 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 the, and the beginning of the, the storm to come to an end. But when the sea stopped, heaving and going up and down. They said, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey Him? I recall this story for us to, to be understanding again. The God of all creation through Jesus Christ, the resurrected Christ, is, is with us today. He is, he is there to calm the storms. And to see us through them, to give us peace, to give us an assurance and a confidence that even though a storm gets terribly violent and, 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 and it up and down and the boat begins to fill with water, that we can rest with a confidence that the God of all creation will see us through this. He is a shelter in the time of storm. 
And so as we look at this, remember your Creator from your youth, I want to take it to this point of, of the reality that He is a shelter in the time of the storm. It's one of my favorite old hymns. A shelter in the time of storm. I would like to read it to you in a sense of, 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 of a, a story as prose. It's, it goes, The Lord's our rock, in Him we hide. A shelter in the time of storm. Secure whatever ill betide. A shelter in the time of storm. O shade by day, defense by night. A shelter in the time of storm. No fears alarm, no foes affright. A shelter in the time of storm. The raging storms may round us beat a shelter in the time of storm. We'll never leave our safe retreat. We find our refuge, in other words, a shelter in the time of storm. O rock divine, O refuge dear, a shelter in the time of storm. Be thou our helper ever near, a shelter in the time of storm. And the chorus that goes with this song between each of those verses is, The Lord's our rock, in Him we hide, a shelter in the time of storm. Secure whatever ill betide, a, a shelter in the time of storm. Well, actually, that's the first verse. The, 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 re, the refrain going with that is, Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. Our country is going through a storm. In fact, the whole earth, many countries, far worse than we are right now with the, this uh, virus that is, is, is plaguing us. And we can be assured in the midst of this that our testimony needs to be a calm response. Not fearful, but calm in the sense that we know that Jesus is the rock. He is the one who is going to see us through this. He is always with us. As we seek Him in His Word and dwell on His Word and meditate on His Word, He will bring a sense of peace to us and assurance that no matter what happens, we are covered by His grace. We are at peace with God. And if the worst thing that could happen, we join Paul and say, to die is gain. Paul puts it this way, to live is Christ, to die is gain. We can't lose. The worst thing the world can do to us is to take our life and, and we win. And so through this time of, of, of storm, we need to be a witness, a testimony to Jesus Christ that, it is, is, that we are at peace. And maybe, just maybe, what Peter talks about in 1 Peter chapter 3 will come about and someone will say, how can you see, be so at, at peace? How can you be so calm? with the world being so crazy as it is right now. And it's an open door for you to be able to say, well, I, I, I know the one who created the world, who created the universe, and I rest in His grace and His mercy. I know His Word, and I have salvation because I've confessed with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, raised from the dead. I have His Word to comfort me. By the way, then, when that was shared with me, I don't know how many times it might have been shared with me before, but the day that I heard it, this particular time, it caught. 
And as someone shared their testimony through all the storms that they had been through, the end result was I went across the street to the bookstore and bought a New Testament and read the Gospels for the first time in my life, complete. And the seeds were planted. And a year and a half later, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Because someone, in the midst of his storms, and the storms that were going on in his life, shared. I, and when my question that came, how can you be so calm in the midst of all that's going wrong in your life? As he shared the gospel with me, I realized, I want that too. I want that peace. I want that calm. I want to know the Lord in such a way that I would say that I know clearly the One who is the Creator. And I rest in confidence that He has saved me through Jesus Christ, His Son. And that I have eternal life. We're approaching Easter. And this is a time where we celebrate. And I would suggest to you that maybe this would be a time where you would read through all the Gospels. The Easter story. And be re-familiarize, if you will, yourselves with it. And... Recognize what it is to be a child of God. Redeemed. Reconciled. At peace. Let's pray. Father, we come to You and thank You for Your Word. We thank You that we could come to it uh, uh, together. Uh, It's through a podcast. It's through the website. It's through... Facebook, but the idea is that we are still together because it's Your Word. We come in it together and we look at it and realize that this is the God of all creation revealing Himself and ministering to us. And we thank You. And we ask that in this time of need in our culture and in the world that we can be a testimony, a witness to Your love, Your mercy, and Your grace, and Your peace. I think of the song, even though it's not Scripture, a shelter in the time of storm. Lord, we worship You. We thank You for Your grace, Your mercy, Your love. We thank You for salvation. We ask that You would be with us and give us Your eyes and Your ears that we might hear and and, and we might see the things going on around us that would give us the opportunity to witness what an awesome God You are. Thank You. We love You. We worship You. In Jesus' name, Amen.